This morning, we actually, we want to talk a little bit about uh, hope as warfare. Uh, the, the concept of hope being an aspect of warfare in this journey, because as there's pushback, what the enemy, one of his greatest tools that he uses is the tool of hopelessness. It's hopelessness says that there's nothing good coming. It says, it's all, hopelessness leads to all the, the nasty D words, depression. It leads to discouragement. It looks, leads to disillusionment. It leads to despair. Like, that's what hopelessness does. And so we just kind of wanted to go after a little bit this morning of saying, you know what? We're going to be people of hope in the midst of pushback, in the midst of delay, in the midst of what can seem like discouragement that we're not going to take that as our own. And, you know, computer, hold on. Uh, I love Romans 15, 13 says, now may the God of hope. So I love that right there, we're just naming him. He is the God of hope. Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So he's saying two things right there. He's saying, one, I am a God of hope. I am, that's who I am, a God of hope. And I want you to overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not just something we conjure up and say, okay, okay, I need to be hopeful. Like, yep, church said we need to be hopeful, so now I'm full of hope. We, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that word hope there is the Greek word elpis. And it means confident expectation, happy anticipation. So if you reread that verse as, may the God of hope, may the God of confident expectation or happy anticipation fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with confident expectation. Like when you look at it like that, and even even this past week, I've really had to measure myself according to this word of God and go, am I if I look at the different aspects of my life, am I measuring it? Is it lining up to that? Do I have confident expectation in every area of my life? You know, Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And for a long time, I kind of used that as my crutch of like, well, if something is taking longer than I expected, I just have hope deferred. It's, the Bible says it's hope deferred. Well, I looked up that word defer, and it means to put aside. It's an actual action that we do. That it's not, it's not something that happens to us. It's a choice that we make to put our confident expectation in who the Lord is and what he's promised and to take it and put it aside. And to say, you know what? I'm going to choose right now not to have hope in this area. I'm going to choose to let the voice of circumstance, the voice of the enemy have more authority in my life than the word of God. And, you know, Psalm 42, 11 says, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. It's a choice. He's telling his soul to hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And So this morning, as we wanted to just take a little bit, it's just a little bit more of a flowy morning of like, we actually just want to minister to some people's hearts this morning and have that extended time of worship, but then also really 
pray and minister and go after some things that we just feel like the Lord is on as far as that he wants to bring breakthrough in your life. He wants to take you from a place of hope deferred, of putting aside your hope to going, no, I'm gonna be a person of hope. I'm gonna be a believing believer who believes. Do you know, do you know how many people say, oh yeah, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ? And then you go, okay, well, what do you believe in? Like, what is, what is that belief tying itself to? And they're like, well, I don't really know. I don't really believe that my marriage is gonna get better. I don't really believe that God can heal me physically. I don't really believe that I'm gonna get married even though I feel like the Lord's promised me that. I don't believe that the Lord can bring me a child when we've been trying for years and years and years. Those aren't the people we want to be. We want to be believing believers who believe. Amen. And so, and you know, our hope, I think sometimes the world, they, they look at hope and it kind of, it's like, hope's like a birthday wish. Like, oh, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. And we as believers, our hope is only as powerful as that which it's connected to. The person of Jesus Christ. So when we say that we have hope, it's not because it's like, oh, we really wish that we could have hope. We, we, we wish this would happen. It's we have confident expectation and happy anticipation because God is faithful, because he's trustworthy, because we know in whom we put our trust, that he is powerful, that he's the living God, and that he's well able to intercede and intervene on our behalf. Amen? Like for some of you, there's things that you're believing for, you're hoping for in your life. And you've actually tied it to more of like a birthday wish. You're like, well, I hope one day that this destiny that the Lord's placed in my life comes to pass. I hope one day. Instead of going, I can confidently expect and stand in this happy anticipation because I know who my God is. I know that the dreams and the desires that the promises that he's spoken over my life are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And, you know, your hope levels, the areas that you have low hope in or high hope in, they really reveal if you're believing truth or lies. Because anytime we partner with truth, we're hopeful. Anytime we partner with lies, we're discouraged. We're disheartened. We, we, we're partnering with what the enemy is saying rather than what God is saying over our situation, over our life. And um, I, I'm just going to read this out verbatim because I wrote it and was like, <laughs> on Tuesday, I, I read it to Michelle and I was like, this is good. Did I write this? Um, but I said, all of us can give up hope and let circumstances be our truth. All that proves is that circumstances are my reality instead of the word of the living God. So when we don't have hope in a situation, all that proves for us is that circumstances are our God. That God's not on the throne in that area. So my question for you is, have you taken the theology of the Bible and wrapped it around your reality? in such a way that it's given you permission to not believe or persevere? Have you taken the theology of 
the word of God, of what he's promised over your life, of what he's said yes and amen to, to your healing, to your wholeness, to your freedom? And have you wrapped the theology around your reality to say, well, this is my truth? Because it's not the truth. Is this heavy? You guys are, (laughs) the keys are heavy. But I just, I just feel this weightiness this morning of going, God, like he really wants to set some people free in this area. That there's some of you who have hope, you have deferred your hope. You have chosen to set it aside and there's no shame in that. But once it comes to the light, all of a sudden we have a choice to make and say, okay, am I going to partner with lies? Am I going to partner with hopelessness or am I going to partner with hope? Am I going to partner with what God's truth is over my life, over my circumstance. I know in, in this room, there's those of you who struggle. You, you've, you've been trying to have babies for years. And that's something that it's so easy to put aside your hope and to start going, maybe God didn't say that. Maybe that's not for us. There's some of you who have struggled with addiction for years. And every time you get, end up back in front of a computer, you're like, well, maybe God didn't really have freedom for me. That's a lie. You're you're partnering with a lie. We need to ask ourselves, any area, I think somebody, I don't know who it was at Bethel that said, any area that you don't have glistening hope, you're partnering with a lie. What lies are we partnering with, guys, this morning? Because as we go into this new year, as we're wanting to go into a new season of the Lord, bringing us to a new level, we're going to have to leave some stuff behind. And I truly believe that hopelessness is one of those things that we need to actually say, you know what? This isn't coming. This isn't coming into this year with me. I'm not going to partner with the enemy. And uh, so... I, have, I grew up in a uh, Word of Faith church, and if you don't have points in church, you didn't have a message. So I have three points for you uh, of partnering with hope in this season, just some practical things of how we can partner with hope, and then we're just going to pray into some stuff because we can talk about having hope all day long, but the Holy Spirit in a moment can break that thing off of your life. Yeah. And uh, so number one is in this, as you are trying to hold on to hope in your life, in this process, remind yourself that delay is not denial. The delay is not denial, that it always takes longer and costs more than you originally planned. Always. We, we have Ron and Jill, we have Stephen and Christine in here who can attest. It always takes longer and costs more than what you originally thought. Hebrews 6, 12 through 15 says, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. There was the promise. I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. So after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. And you know, I love how the Bible says that waiting, after waiting patiently, it sounds like he was waiting for a table at a restaurant. That waiting was 25 years. It was 25 years. The delay was not denial. It was the process that God had him in. 
And you know, how many of you know that Jesus is more interested in the process than he is even the promise? The promise will throw you into a process, but the process is actually what Jesus is after. Because it's in the process that we're transformed to be able to carry the promise. And if you despise the process, you're going to despise your life. Because your life is found in the process. Your life isn't found in the the fulfillment of the promise. That's great. That's like you get to celebrate. You get the party at the end when the promise is fulfilled. But your life, look at the life of Jesus. He was on earth for 33 years in physical form. And so much of that was process. His ministry didn't even start till 30 how many, how many people do you think he walked by in those 30 years that needed healing? How many of them needed a message? And yet it wasn't his time yet. That wasn't, the, that wasn't the denial of the promise of God. That was the process he was walking through. Number two is fix your eyes on Jesus. I love this quote by Christine Kane says, what you look at the longest will become strongest in your life. What you look at the longest will become strongest in your life. Fix your eyes on Jesus. You know, we become what we behold. So as we behold him, as our eyes are fixed, fixed isn't a quick glance. It's not a, oh, I'm going to look at Jesus in the midst of my circumstances. It's like, I am going to lock gazes with him no matter what the cost. Like, I have to keep my eyes fixed on him. Because as I'm fixed on him, I will be transformed into his image. And then when the promise comes, I am fully able to walk in it. And then thirdly, remember his faithfulness to you in in times past. Job 36, 24 says, remember to magnify his work. You know, in times of holding on, I've learned to not exaggerate what he's done, but to magnify the pieces where he's been faithful, the pieces where he's been consistent, the times where I've gone like, yeah, but remember when. I'm not gonna be fearful here because when remember when God did for me last time. Ooh, we just got a massive bill. I'm not gonna let fear come up because remember when he provided for me in the past. You know, don't doubt in the dark what Jesus has shown you in the light. So when you're in dark situations and the enemy is coming at you, you remember what he did in the light, what he said to you in the light, what he said to you on that mountaintop season. So when you're in the valley of the shadow of death, you're going, no, no, no. I remember what my God did for me. I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus and I'm remembering. You know, the the enemy wants us to get our eyes off of Jesus because he knows once that happens, Jesus no longer is our answer. You know, so many of us think, well, Jesus plus dot, dot, dot is the answer to my marriage. Jesus plus dot, dot, dot is the answer to my healing. Jesus plus something, whatever it is, is the answer. But can I just tell you that Jesus plus nothing is the answer that you're searching for, that he is the answer. And so as we pursue him, our lives fill out our circumstances start to come back in line. And even if the external circumstances don't shift right away, our internal world is completely renewed, transformed.